Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they're never just about the way you look. I am your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I have with me Isabel Miller, who is a curve model and full-time content creator who runs a thriving business through OnlyFans and social media, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. So welcome, Isabel. Thank you so much, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah. So I'm going to have you start by just telling me a little bit about yourself and your business so that people have kind of a context for who you are and what you do. Great. So my name is Isabel Miller. I am a content creator and model. So I'm mostly known for my Instagram, Twitter, and OnlyFans presence. I'm what you'll call nowadays a quote-unquote Instagram model and influencer. So a lot of my business is based upon my looks. And I went from being, you know, a very petite woman to being more of a curvy and what you'll call mid-size to plus-size. And throughout my journey in the industry, I've seen a lot of um, good changes, not so good changes. So I'm right in the middle of this whole um, dichotomy between, oh, this look is unrealistic, but within the Mm. industry, we also have our own unrealistic perspective. So I would love to dive in this subject with everyone here. Yeah. Because it's very important to know that what you see online might not necessarily reflect reality and mostly that you are not alone in um, this body image problem that we tend to have sometimes with new routines and things to quote unquote fix that are thrown at us every day. Yeah. And to some extent, the models that you see online also go through it very hard. Because not only do we have the scrutiny of our direct circle, but also we have the scrutiny of the public. So while you see this girl online, I'm like, oh man, there's no way I can look like her. This same girl is looking at somebody else and be like, oh man, there's no way I can look at her. So it's it's kind of a vicious circle. Yeah. For anybody who's listening to this, um, you can watch the video on my YouTube channel, but Isabel, describe your your aesthetic a little bit so that people who are not watching this video can kind of understand like what your aesthetic is. Great. So first of all, I am a woman of color of African descent. So happy Juneteenth, by the way, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very dark skinned, curvy, small waist, kind of like an hourglass figure. Mm-hmm. And I do have longer hair. And as you can tell, I guess, you know, a very interesting accent. <laughs> I have a lot of features that people call unique. So that draws the extent their mm. attention. Some people will call it exotic, but I know that is kind of a controversial object, uh, objective depending yeah. on how people perceive it. Totally. But overall, I embrace the way I look. I might not always fit into the European, you know, beauty standard and et cetera. But overall, I do find myself very attractive. So at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah. Um, Okay. So before we get into all that, I wanted to ask, this is just out of curiosity. Have you experienced any stigma or judgment for like doing the kind of work you do, working in the OnlyFans space? Like, I don't know, do people in your life or your family like have opinions on it? I'm just curious about that. That's very interesting. I tend to keep my circles very small. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who know what I do don't really judge me for it because 
they're in some kind of creative industry or dog industries themselves. Sure. The people outside that circle kind of like look at it more of a kind of like a from an exotic lens. I'm like, oh, you're doing, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so lucky you go on vacation all the time, mm-hmm. and stuff. So they kind of have like this rose color eyes of it and it's like okay this is not that big of a deal for yeah. me this is the way I live and and it also comes with its own set of pressures and stuff so stigma wise depending on who depending on who it is sometimes if there are strangers that I meet at restaurant etc and I give them my uh, modeling Instagram I'll sometimes notice a few weeks ago I'm like wait what happened to these people oops mm. they followed me so it's like oh, it is what it is also I mean, sometimes these are couples with families I'm like yeah that's sure. that could be a problem because <laughs> husband's looking at yeah so it's kind of like you know I I tiptoe around it depending on who it is it's like okay if um I notice it's more like a family person then I'll just give them my private Instagram and aside from that, I just, you know, go as it is. People yeah. ask First of all, I don't really like being asked for my Instagram. Sure. So for the most part, I tend to keep my profession to myself because I feel like, first of all, asking people all the time what to do for a living, if you're not in their industry, it's kind of like, you know, not yeah. interesting. Yeah. So stigma wise, I think it's pretty mild overall. That's good. So speaking of pressure, uh, because your entire livelihood is based on your appearance and specifically on people sort of appreciating your appearance, I imagine that that is a lot of pressure on you to look a certain way or maintain a certain appearance. So I wanted to hear a little bit about how that pressure has affected you and how it affects you now and also like how it affects body image. Great. So I um, I realized over time that when it comes to body image, it wasn't the public that was my harshest critic, it was me. Mm. So I really took accountability for that and kind of like stopped obsessing over my looks and move away from that pressure because I realized that it will just do me no good to be like, oh, I have to be this, I have to be that. It's like, what is the best that I can do for myself now? What is the best way I can take care of myself now? Because that is primordial. Because I've noticed a few years ago that I was getting too deep into the whole OnlyFans things and kind of like neglecting myself mentally, mm. which then affects you physically. So it then becomes the mind, this mind-body shift that kind of like takes a toll. Yeah. So I decided that, you know what, I need to do things differently. I need to be myself more. I need to trust myself more and I need to trust my process more. And whatever comes out of it will come out of it versus putting myself in uh, all kinds of pressures and et cetera. Yeah. And be like, you know what? I'm going to hold off to this and, you know, not really be self-critical because one difficult part too is like content creation can sometimes be a lonely industry mm-hmm. and you go out there, you make friends with different people. And then you realize almost every single one of these person is going to be kind of like very scrutinizing on their looks. And it kind of gives you this thing. It's like, oh, wait a second. Should I, should I do that? Should I (laughs) think more about getting light bulb? Should I think more about, I don't know, doing 
just surgery on my eyes or something. And I was like, you know what? That's not me. Yeah. Do you know that's what's so funny me. you say that? Sorry, what? Oh, I, I, I just said that that's just not me. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because I feel like I've cultivated after being a body neutrality coach and doing this work for so long, I've cultivated such a safe bubble of people. Like nobody comments on my appearance. Nobody would ever like fat shame in front of me. But then sometimes when I'm out in the sort of wild world and, and I meet someone who makes a comment like that, I'm like really shook. I'm like, oh, oh, I forgot we were still doing that. Like, cause my world has evolved past it, you know? And I'm like, oh, and sometimes it'll, it'll like mess with my head a little bit to be like, oh my God, I forgot that people are out here judging each other on their looks. Like that's still a thing. Obviously I know it because of the work I do with clients, but that's nowhere in my circle. Yeah. And honestly, I congratulate you on that because two circles are difficult, are difficult yeah. to create. A lot of boundaries, <laughs> a lot of boundary exactly. setting. <laughs> exactly. And that's something that I took an, an initiative on to be very careful who I align myself with, who's in my circle and who's commenting on my looks. So nowadays I have a zero tolerance policy on it because first of all, it's extremely rude yes. to go out of your way to be like, oh girl, your hair should be looking a certain way. Oh girl, your lashes should be soon looking a certain way. It's like, first of all, you're nobody to have to tell me that. Yeah. And what if I was the one doing the same thing to you? I'll be like, oh, you should look this way. You should look that way. Of course, it would not, wouldn't feel that yeah. great for itself. But then I realized that, you know, I do have a sense of compassion for them because there's their own harshest critics. Mm. And what is young to other, that's something to reflect upon themselves. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want this malady with mm -hmm. me. So I'm going to move away from the plague yeah. and focus on my own health and thrive. I love that. There are so many ways that one can take care of themselves and feel as good about themselves as possible. Find what worked for them without pointing fingers. Mm. Yeah. Because whenever I go to the nail salon, I look for specific nail artists specific hairstylists and specific makeup looks is because of the aesthetic that I myself want to reflect because mm -hmm. that's something that I like yeah so if somebody tells me oh you should be wearing more makeup I don't know and do your yeah. eyeshadow a certain way and it's like listen I know what I like I know what fits me and you are nobody to tell me how to look yes so I have so many questions for you about like how you got there. Um, but before I dive into that, I just wanted to ask, cause I'm curious about this. You present yourself in your content in this very like sexy femme glamorous way with a lot of beautiful lingerie and costumes and everything. So I'm just curious, do you feel that this is an accurate representation of you like day to day, or is this more of like a character that you've cultivated for your business? Great question. I think it's a reflection of both. Yeah. Because day to day, realistically, I can't always wear that fancy laundry. On <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Gonna, you know, you're going to see the lace here, the color here, and all yeah. that. So, overall, yes, it is a theater because in real life, this kind of laundry is not always practical. Yeah. Some so, you do days, sometimes rock like sweatpants and granny panties? Um, Maybe not sweatpants. <laughs> Let's say I'm um, yoga pants or something. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my day-to-day -day life, I'm more, I dress a bit more casually. 
um, I'm what maybe some people call a classic look. So day to day, I'm not that sexy. So I have a very normal quote unquote life yeah. and normal quote unquote look. So every day is not sexy, sexy, sexy. So sometimes people like think like, oh, girl, she's so hot and sexy all the time. And it's like, yes, because that's the image that I sell online. Mm-hmm, person is a bit more different. So it will be kind of like funny if I went on, uh, let's say, Instagram and just posted a video of myself in, you know, this dress. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was I thinking. Like... My stories and et cetera, but day uh-huh. day, my audience is not quite there yet. So I don't know how they'll connect with it. So I will say when it comes to like dressing, quote unquote, normal, sometimes my real world attire will be on uh, TikTok. And sometimes, surprisingly enough, the fans were like excited for it. They're like, oh my gosh, you look great and whatever. I'm like, oh, maybe I should maybe incorporate that a bit more. I (laughs) I feel like it's an interesting thing because it sounds like it's authentic to you. Like it is a style that you are drawn to, that you like in yourself. It's just that you have multiple sides of you. And I think it's kind of cool when we know someone, we, we just know one side of someone and then we see like the behind the scenes. You know, I could see people enjoying getting to see just this other side of you that's also authentic that's very true that's an interesting take on it because um, a lot of times especially for tiktok i'll be like you know what i'm gonna get buy these outfits just to make tiktoks because it's here and nine times i understand i will not wear them in real life (laughs) so it's like just like entertain so it's entertainment costumes and I lately haven't been filming that many TikToks. I think I got, um, I ran out of ideas for a bit. So <laughs> I get I started, that. I started editing old travel, travel vlogs. So I am also a part-time quote-unquote travel vlogger. Most of oh, the content cool. is uncensored that I post on OF, which is love. And yeah. I also started uh, doing the short-form vlogs on uh, TikTok. And out of nowhere, this clip of me walking in the middle of Copenhagen went viral. That's interesting. And I'm not doing anything sexy. I had very minimal makeup, my hair in a ponytail. I didn't even show my full body. It was like kind of like just a selfie of me just walking around Copenhagen. I kind of love that. Yeah. And it's like, do I really need to show Mm. for the people to feel connected? Yeah. I'm also entering this phase where I'm questioning my own prejudices on how to present myself online. Ooh, interesting. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So a lot of times, like I said, it's like, I feel like I have to put on to show this costume and et cetera, and to get more attention because why will they want to watch a boring clip of this, 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 <laughs> and that? And it's like, you know what? I'm not a fortune, te- a fortune teller, so it doesn't hurt to explore mm. different avenues. Worst thing that happens, I realize maybe it doesn't get that much attention. It's and it's fine. Yeah. And yeah, of course, the tiny bikinis will always get a lot of views. Yeah. And I also realized that that's not the only thing that gets a lot of views. So I think maybe on Instagram, I'll start incorporating a bit more fashion into it. To kind of like test the waters, because I do remember actually that I worn something. It was still a little sexy, 
but that also gets you know good attention and views. So I'll definitely dive a bit more into it and see where that goes. Yeah. So obviously, like your business depends on these algorithms. The algorithms depend on engagement. So I mean, I also run my business, all my marketing through social media and everything. So like, I understand the experimenting. And as these things change, you kind of got to like, pay attention to what's working now that, you know, maybe wouldn't have worked before. But it must be kind of an interesting experience to like know because you're presenting yourself like to be objectified you know that those sexy bikini pictures are going to get more attention they're going to be good for your business they're going to grow your business but then also you're like a whole ass human very true right like that (laughs) must be kind of interesting does that do you feel any um anything negative from being like sort of in a space of objectification or does that not bother you I think to some extent it does not bother me because I'm used to it and yeah. it's kind of, it makes things easy for me because I know what to do. I know what to wear. Okay. This, this is this and that let's do it. And that's it. But I think it also takes vulnerability to put yourself mm-hmm. in a more normal character. Sure. And that's something that I actually realized recently that I do to some extent hide behind that character because it's easy to just put on a costume and just go for it. But when it's really just me and my real life, I'm like, okay, I don't know about that because I'm a naturally very private person Mm -hmm. and I'm really good at creating what is it that I want to share, but I'm not necessarily the type of person who wants to share every single thing. Yeah. Like, while they're streaming all day, telling people all their business and all that, they're an open book. Yeah. And I am a semi open book. Mm. You know, I feel like so many people are, they would be terrified to do what you do. Like, it is, like you said, so vulnerable to be visible on the internet. And especially for a lot of people with body image stuff, to be visible in your whole body. Yes. And yet, you know, you might look at that and think, oh, I guess she's open about everything, but that's not the case, right? You've got like certain things you're okay with being open about and certain things that you're not. Yes, very true. And funny enough, it's like, I have a photographer who works with me and he tells me sometimes like, wait a second, I never knew you even played tennis. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like if they don't see it, how would they know? Yeah. And he had a client who was, um, uh, who wanted content as a tennis court and everything. And he said, wait, you play tennis? You know, I had no idea. So there's a lot of things about me that people don't necessarily know. And I'm like, wait a second, why don't I show off that side a bit more, you know, without necessarily being too laser focused on this is what I have to do to get numbers and uh, have this tunnel vision. Yeah. Now it's like, what if I expanded it out of the tunnel vision? Who knows? One of the nice things about getting your business to a certain point too, when you can actually start to experiment and play without it being like, must get this like to a certain number or to a certain level. Very true. And part of me is like, um, also holding myself accountable. It's like, is this creative laziness? Because I'm not really looking more into it and be like, listen, if you're doing the same old thing over and over again, what if your audience is getting bored? Hmm. So it's also something to look into. Yeah. But I feel like when you're so established, 
then you don't want to take as many risks. Ah, totally fair. Now, is your audience mostly men or is it a mix? Yeah. It's mostly men, but also have a considerable, especially on Instagram, like roughly 11% female. Okay. Yeah. So something that's like striking me now as you talk is so many of my clients, we have to do a lot of work to break out of the feeling of like, there is almost a character, like you say, but they're living it every day. Like they feel the pressure to maintain a character. Uh, you know, if they have like someone sleepover, they sleep in their makeup, you know, or whatever it is. Like they feel this, like beholden to uphold this standard of sexy all the time. And so it almost feels to me like that would be worse for someone whose entire business and livelihood was based on it. But what I hear in your your story is that it's the opposite because it's intentional, it's conscious, it's completely on your terms. You create a character and you have boundaries in your life. And so mm. you're actually not beholden to anything. Like this isn't, I do this for other people. It's, I do this for me. Very true. Very true. I do this for me because also it is my profession. Mm-hmm. So I do have also this professional aspect to it that this is what I'm going to do to show up and put on the show. Yeah. So it's kind of a, I wouldn't call, go as far calling it an obligation, but it is kind of a professional duty for me. Sure. And also I want this sense of consistency as well. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to the real world, I completely get it as well because I remember for a certain time I was, seeing this person who was a bit further away in a different country. So we'll communicate via Snapchat. Hmm. And uh, I was next to my friend back then. And I just took a snap like this and be like, wait a second. You literally like no makeup, nothing. You just take a snap and send it to him. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Right. I love that though. That feels like such a authentic and confident way to move through the world because this is what some people will ask me like well am I allowed to like wear makeup or lingerie or heels or whatever it is and also be body neutral and I'm like of course because the behaviors themselves are not morally anything there's only the idea that when you're doing them because you feel like if you don't you're not worthy or Mm -hmm. something's wrong with you um that's the issue, right? So it's like where it comes from. And for you, you're able to allow both to exist peacefully. Like you can do the sexy thing. You can do the no makeup thing. And you, you obviously recognize that both are valid and worthy. A hundred percent because it's the truth. All those sides are completely valid and worthy. And I am also drawing the boundary line where I don't necessarily want to neglect myself when I go outside and feel like oh well whatever I will just wear whatever because personally I don't want those whatevers to affect me mentally uh-huh you want to care about myself yeah but I also draw that line of insecurity to be like oh I have to put on the concealer I have to put on the makeup yeah I draw that line and it's like I'll just do the brows I'll do what I can and feel great in that. Yeah. Go up wherever. Like, for example, in this interview, I've realized if I have time to do the brows and put on some lip gloss, that is perfectly okay. Yeah. And you look gorgeous. I don't need a full glow. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't need, I don't want to be in this mental space to feel yeah. like I show up everywhere in a full glam. Mm-hmm. 
I think I feel very similarly too. like the idea that I sometimes get in the mood to put on some kind of makeup. Like if I'm going out and I'm in a particular mood, I might spend some time. I'll bust out. Like I have all this makeup in a drawer, you know, and I'll bust it out and I'll like try the winged line or I'll try a bright color or something. But most of the time I'm just like, I can't be bothered. It's not that I wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. It's just like, that's not what I've got going on in my day today. That's not what I feel like spending my time and energy on. Exactly. Exactly. And I think society also pressures women into overestimating what is it that looks great. Yeah. Say more about that. I want to hear more about that. Because especially nowadays with social media and this uh, advent of dating coaches and coaches Mm -hmm. in general, people with very little credentials and questionable, you know, mentalities go online and tell women, you don't look good enough. You're not good enough. It's infuriating. But it just drawing fear and fear and more fear into these women. Yeah. Before necessarily realizing that, hey, beauty is subjective, not number one. And number two, why not encourage people into finding what is our aesthetic, what is good for them, versus like just putting out rule books of this is good, this is bad, this is X, this is Y, this is C. Yeah. For example, you have a friend group. Each friend has their own style. Mm-hmm. Some of them are more streetwear. Some of them are more classic. Some mm-hmm. of them are more feminine. Some of them are more modern. And every single one of them is valid in their own ways. It's about how your shine lights. Oh, I love that. Yes, I love that. I, I mean, beauty is subjective. Obviously, this is like a big thing as we unpack cultural beauty ideals and, you know, the, the standards, especially for women, the idea that everybody likes something different is not included in that ideal at all. But of course, everybody likes something different and everybody is going to look and feel their most authentic and like with their, their, what did you say? Shine their light the best with a totally different aesthetic. So that is like really putting the power back into the individual to find exactly. the thing that makes them feel great and express their truth rather than just, yeah, following an external guidebook. I love that. Very, very true. Because I've noticed so many times women kind of like tend to put on that show to be liked by men, yeah. liked by women, to be liked by God knows who. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you like yourself? And that's something I had to go through as well, because I've explored different styles and I felt honestly self-conscious about being too boring. Hmm. because there's maybe that person who told me, why don't you wear something sexier? <laughs> and it's like, I like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, first of all, if you're calling me too boring, we're probably not good friends anyway. Yep. So your opinion do not, does not matter. Mm-hmm. But that even goes deeper into body size because often people, they keep droning to the head of women and men that skinny is a way. Skinny is the only way. If it's not skinny, it's going to be something even more artificial yeah. and hypocritical. Oh, you should be skinny. You should be, you know, but not too skinny. You need curves <laughs> now. So you got to yeah. BBL. And now, oh, no, 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 no. No more BBL. So yeah. it's always this ridiculous trend yeah. cycle that drive people cuckoo. Yes. And it's like, can we just put a stop on it? Yeah. And 
let people discover for themselves what's healthy and what's not healthy. And I think to some extent, we do have to hold our care providers and uh, nutrition and dietitian professionals accountable as well as to really diving in further as to does body size always equal health? Exactly. I because talk about that stuff in my work all the time <laughs> because times, no, it doesn't. Yeah, a, a lot of Tom, Dick and Harry's come out of the woodwork telling women online, you're so unhealthy because of this. It's like, well, that skinny girl you admire might have way more health issues than this one. Yeah. You are not a doctor and it's hypocritical because first of all, you do not care about any of these women. This is a control tool. You want to control how these women feel about themselves. Mm preach. Yes. Okay. So that brings me to a topic I really want to have you talk about here, which is that you were in the public eye doing this work, modeling, showing your body as you gained weight. Yes. Tell me how that experience was and how that impacted like you, your confidence, your body image, everything. So at first it was, it was all right. It was like, okay, I'm going out to eat more often, but this is fine. I'll lose it later. Yeah. The pandemic hits, it's become harder and harder as my workload becomes bigger and the gyms are closed and I'm ordering out all the time. And then the stress comes in, the cortisol levels go up. And I realize all of a sudden that, oh my gosh, what can I do? You know, how can I lose all of this? <laughs> and et cetera. I don't want to shoot today. I look terrible, et cetera. Hmm. And it becomes this harrowing time that slowly fades as I become more self-accepting and as I become more grateful about Mm. who I am, how I look and what I have. Because despite this quote-unquote body problem, body struggle, I've thrived and I'm here today and I am healthy and I am more confident than ever. So it was not easy at first because you're not used to it. You think that, oh, this is a death sentence. Nobody will want to look at me because I get too much weight. And sometimes I do, I did get comments. I do get comments here and there, not as many or yeah. And I honestly didn't get nearly as much backlash as I anticipated. Yeah. So that's where it also comes into, I was my own worst critic the public wasn't and even if the person looks at me and thinks I'm too big and etc that's our opinion that is fine that has nothing to do with me okay so before you gained weight you you called a death sentence which I think is really appropriate because this really represents how people tend to think of weight gain that like if they ever gained a significant amount of weight their life would be over I mean there is so much fear in it like it would be the worst case scenario and you lived through it and your business is thriving. So like, clearly that fear is not based in reality. People still find you attractive. People still find you compelling. You are still right. Like that is such a unique thing to be able to say. I lived through the quote unquote worst case scenario or whatever the death sentence. I'm like, I'm still here and I'm doing well. Very true. And while to some extent, I've noticed that sometimes People will kind of like, you know, sometimes when you're out with people and they kind of like ignore you to talk to someone else instead, Mm -hmm. you know what? Okay. 
then that just shows me that I am inside of circus and I have no intention on entertaining clowns. So, <laughs> you know, well what? put. <laughs> More power to me. Yeah. And that even my dating life has not been that impacted on it. Uh huh. And a lot of people then again put this fear into women because sometimes I go on TikTok and I see these TikToks about people treat you radically different when your weight is like this. And I slow down and I realize was that actually my personal experience? Uh. Not really, because the difference was not drastic. There was yeah. a difference, but not a drastic one. So interesting. So like, obviously we know marginalization of people in bigger bodies exist, discrimination, all of these things, but in your personal experience for there not to be that drop-off, I'm curious, do you think that your audience shifted as you gained weight or do you think it's just the same people more or less? Like, do you feel like there was any change or even in your dating life, do you feel like there was any change in like who was drawn to you in a smaller or bigger body? Oh, that's a big, great question. I think overall, my audience actually has grown. Yeah, yeah. My audience has grown, but that could be for many reasons. I think maybe that's the time I spent online. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like the same people are still there. There's people that followed me from the beginning, but there's still, you know, that core audience from the beginning that's like, ooh, she got way bigger. What? <laughs> and it's like, you know what? you're on the wayside you don't yeah. know if you're not going to be a kind and supportive person mm-hmm. and uh, secondly audience wise yeah it really wasn't that bad but uh, dating wise it's actually funny because I remember I was seeing this person a while back a long time ago and they admitted to me that I look better curvier <laughs> anymore and also like the reverse side of it because I also don't really want this narrative either that yeah yeah you look so much thicker now you should be that way don't be right and I don't want any narrative about how I should look because at the end of the day this is a dictatorship and I decide how I want to look 100 percent and yeah I no love that direction I decide to go to that will be my own choice yeah and I think that's very important to say as well because I see this this discourse as well that kind of like shames women who decide to lose weight shame women who decide to look smaller absolutely because that's what they want for themselves they have their yeah. own reasons that are outside what society wants yeah. So to go to the extreme and call people who want to lose weight fat phobic, I think that's toxic. Yeah, it's a complicated issue, but I definitely agree. So, I mean, we see it with like Lizzo, like yes. it erases personal autonomy. Yes. It erases the idea that she gets to do whatever the hell she wants because it's her own body and nobody should have a say about it like exactly. period. Yes. Um, and whether you think she looks better, bigger, smaller is like, that's an opinion you can keep to yourself. Nobody needs it. <laughs> like, exactly. like It's just not important to share that. Same goes for Adele because she went from being uh-huh. really beautiful, curvy women to more, you know, to a smaller women. And honestly, she's just as great. Yeah. So yeah. people say, oh, she's a hypocrite. Why did she Oof. lose so much weight? Yeah. I think that's the, that's the like glamorizing of the body positivity thing 
that's like saying uh, almost like when people see representation of bigger bodies, they get so excited and then they feel betrayed when the person is no longer sort of holding that, that label or that, that standard. Um, but in your case, you're also describing something else, which is like some people just prefer thicker bodies. Oh yes. Oh yes. A lot of people have like this idea that only thin women can thrive in their love life, in their personal life. And that is a lie. Yeah. And I think it's so unfair and such a disservice to spread that lie to women that some of them don't even need to lose weight, but still they feel like they have to yeah, put themselves yeah. in this wall of self-depreciation and low self-worth because in somebody else's eyes, they're not enough, which is completely untrue. Yeah. And I think what really matters here is the way one carries oneself and one feels about oneself. So once that is, um, I don't like to see work done because that feels too performative. Mm. Once it's acknowledged, yeah, I think that's much healthier. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye. Have you seen it? Oh, uh, no. I know about the show, but okay. I, know, I, I never really got into it. It's, yeah, I just was like, what? I just was looking for something sort of like mindless to watch. And I, I was like actually really appreciating how they take everyone and they step them into like a more authentic confident version of themselves and it really doesn't matter what you do on the outside it's like just a reflection of what you're saying they mm-hmm. feel worthy they feel loved they feel accepted like that's what that's what the whole thing is about ultimately and they all look amazing because everyone can look amazing it's not about how you look to look amazing that is so true and i wish more people knew that Yeah. So tell me how you got there, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and they're going to be like, oh, that's so lovely for Isabel. Good for her. But like, I could never do that. So what do you say to someone who's like, literally, how do I get to where you are? How do I feel that acceptance of myself and that confidence? It takes time. I think that's first and foremost, it takes time. It is it is not a light on light off switch. And that is perfectly okay. Because I know the self-help industry kind of tells you that you're either good or bad, black or white sometimes. And that is not helpful because evolving takes time. It takes maturity as well. So a lot of it also has to be maturity because I am now 27 years old. I'm in my late 20s. So forcibly or not forcibly, you know, my mentality is going to shift over time because I am not 20 year old anymore. I know myself better. And also I think a lot of it, comes from knowing oneself and if you can afford it find a good mental health professional that can help you on self-esteem absolutely because it's okay to look at to look for therapists that work for you and your personal issues and gives you this fresh perspective on yourself and your life because sometimes your friend and family are not always helpful when it comes to it sometimes are more detrimental because our perspective might not always be the healthiest or the most helpful one. Yeah. So see, first of all, where stones can be turned and work from there and take your time to get to know yourself and know the truth about yourself that you are worth the individual no matter what you look like, no matter what happens to you. Yeah. And those are the fundamentals to acknowledge and embrace 
And it's not always easy because sometimes you will have these little off moments that are like, oh, you know, what are you doing wrong this time? And yeah. then starts over time getting used to settle in and see that, hey, no negative self-talk here. Yeah, It's not helping me. I used to think it was helping me, but it's not. So if it's not, it's time to let it go. Yeah. It is. It really is such a, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's the work I help people do and a major part of it for people, especially um, people who have learned to self-objectify is just learning to separate like their value and identity and sense of self-worth from their appearance because they might never feel like in love with how they look, but not liking how you look should never have the power to make you feel unworthy as a person. Like that you know, maybe you also don't like your car. Maybe you also don't like your house. I don't know. You know, like there's so many things that you can like or dislike and have opinions on or preferences for, but it's when you believe that your appearance is linked to your value and your worth for, for good things in life. That's when it becomes catastrophic. Yes, it is. And I empathize with it because I think it's a survival mechanism yeah. You don't absolutely. want to feel like garbage. You don't want to be rejected. You don't want to be looked at in a gross way or anything like yeah. that. So I think self-empathy is also very important. Don't think that you have to be this perfect person because then it kind of like sometimes makes you overlook the problems. So if you feel sometimes not so great about yourself, which happens to me less than you used to, but it's not completely erased from my life. Because sometimes I look at some pictures, I'm like, yeah, this could look better. Yeah. But I don't necessarily let it get too deep in me. And one practical, actually, step that helps is like discovering what is it that you like. Mm. Like, go on out there, go to the mall, find some clothes, order online, find yeah. some clothes, makeup looks, go on TikTok, YouTube, see what is it that you like. And I think that's a good step. What yeah. is it that makes you feel confident when you go outside versus feeling obligated to wear this tight, sexy dress yeah. or this baggy outfit, whatever you feel like you force yourself to do? What if you slowly break out of that boundary and see, hey, I like colors. I like big old bold mm -hmm. prints. This makes me feel good, irregardless of what people are saying around. Yeah. What I like about that is it acknowledges, I mean, it, as far as I'm concerned, if you're alive, if, if you are a person, you're a creative being. So it acknowledges the fact that you are a creative being and let that out and let that be something that you do for yourself rather than using all of this creative energy to like manipulate how other people see you, which is a very boring way to use our creative life force, I think. So yeah. I love the idea of just giving people permission to like go play, find what creative expression of self feels like for you because not everyone is going to be drawn to the same stuff as you and whatever you're drawn to is definitely going to make you feel the best very true and sometimes when you feel your best that also mirrors it back to you yeah yeah and it's not always about body size or what the scale says because I've noticed when I put more effort into myself willingly and when I really care, then it is reflected to me outwardly. Yeah, that makes Which sense. also reveals, to some extent, an unfortunate truth that people do judge you by your looks. 
So I don't want to be disingenuous and be like, oh, your looks never matters. Right, right. Because that is not what reality reflects Mm -hmm. most of the time. There are places and times where that's fine. It doesn't matter. But when you go out in public, sometimes people cannot, you know, they they cannot help themselves, but treat you differently depending on the way you look. But that does not mean that you have to fit into a box. Absolutely. So... I am imagining you probably get a lot of positive feedback, but what about negative feedback? Do you get like mean comments on your Instagram? Do you get like, yeah, like harassment? I don't know. Do you get any of that stuff? Actually, yeah. Occasionally I do. Occasionally. How do you Uh, handle it? Thankfully, it's not the majority of my comments. Most of the people in my community is super supportive and kind. Love that. But um, the way I handle it is I just delete and block them. <laughs> Back to boundaries. I delete and block. There used to be a time where I kind of do like the pin of shame or the, the quote tweet of shame. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> where, you know, I'll be like responding to some mean comment in a witty way and then the community will lash out at them and yeah. throw <laughs> them to the wolves. <laughs> but lately I haven't done it. It's not worth the effort for me. So I just delete and block them. Kind of like, you know, a piece of garbage you throw away. Oh my gosh. I love that. So something that I think is so cool about uh, your message and when we talked before is this idea that like you can simply learn to disagree with people. There are a lot of people on this planet. There are plenty who are going to find you attractive. There are plenty who are going to keep your business thriving. You can just disagree with people and you can discard people who are going to be unkind or whatever judgy and just block and delete because you have learned not to take it all so personally you you've learned to just divest yourself from their opinions and that's That's so powerful and not a lot of people can do that especially women I think yeah and I think my advantage is like fundamentally I've kind of always been a contrarian where I don't always like to follow the crowds and being told what to do, being told how to think, being, being told how to be, it's something that I have to test and figure out myself mm-hmm. and have my own judgment on it. Yeah. So you, oh my gosh, I relate to that so much. I feel like being an independent spirit, being maybe kind of stubborn, I don't know if you identify that way, but I certainly do. <laughs> um, I do feel like it kind of forces you to learn how to disagree with people in a way that if you grow up a people pleaser or like that, you know, your identity comes from that kind of like making other people happy would be a lot harder. Have you had to work for it? Do you think like to be able to do this or is this just like inborn in you? I did have to work for it because I was more of a timid people pleaser Mm. growing up either that or I was really shy, but over time I've become much better at drawing boundaries Mm -hmm. and just having no guilt about cutting people off when I need to cut people off yeah because I feel sometimes it's a guilt uh if us as women that draws us back so self-doubt also is huge because sometimes we gaslight ourselves Mm -hmm. and gaslight us into accepting treatment that is not acceptable 100 percent. you lack that support to be like hey this is okay you know let them go this is messed up they're not supposed to do this yeah. Sometimes you're blind because you're so distracted about what's mm. really going on, but it's okay to take your time getting to know people, getting to 
draw boundaries. It's like, if you have that person who's like, ooh, your ties are too big. Haha, it's a joke. Is it really a joke? Right. And even and if it was, like, that doesn't make it okay. Yeah. Is it a joke that you have to tolerate? You don't have to find all jokes funny. Right. So it's like, if you're not being funny to me, are you really a comedian to me? Like, no. Right. I don't have to accept your joke as a joke. And also one thing is one thing that um, is very important that I've learned is like, I don't really have to forgive people. Mm. I can just move away. Mm-hmm. Whether I choose to forgive them or not, does it really matter? Right. Because I've realized sometimes people say, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, what is that going to do to me now? Yeah. And it's like, okay, fine. You can be sorry. That's fine. And I'll just move forward. But at the same time, I don't want to hold that rancor and grudge. So for my own sake as well, I just move forward. So I think that it's very important to move forward. Yeah, totally. And I think that's something too, it sort of plays on or even preys on like the people pleasing impulse is to say, oh, I'm sorry. Like, let me back into your space to do more toxic stuff. And the Um, expectation is like, well, I apologize. So you owe me you know, like the ability to, to be a jerk again. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I've realized that nine times out of 10 is the kind of people who constantly push our boundaries in an unhealthy way, do not even have that sense of self-awareness to know what that words are doing is detrimental to you. Yeah. But even if they come back, I feel like the relationship tends to just never be the same again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very careful when it comes to quote unquote second chances. And I realize nine times out of 10, it, it's a waste. Wow. Yeah. It's going to so be like dis- a record that repeats itself because it yeah. just. So discernment in, I mean, this is just a theme I've heard you talk about here, like in your, in real life bubble, in your audience bubble, in how you almost like whose opinion you're willing to allow into your mind or heart like you're so discerning and that protects you from a lot of the stuff that people struggle with when it comes to confidence, self-esteem, body image. I mean, it's a powerful thing to learn how to do is discern. Very true. I think discernment is huge. Discernment is huge because why is their opinion more valuable than your own opinion? Right. And like, who is it? Some dude on the internet? Like, do you really want to trust and believe his opinion i've noticed with negative comments either themselves or not the type of person you'll see on jq magazine in the first place right sure and second of all it's they don't even show their face i'm like who are you yeah you even tell me that it's like go away and it's like oh you're too big i was like well you fall into the same category so i don't know what what you mean by that yeah That is interesting. A lot of hypocrisy, a lot of sexism, like holding standards for, yeah, absolutely. It's just projection because I don't know any healthy individual who goes out of their way to make people feel lesser. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And I would say that's the same with like comments on body in general, like someone who is going to be critical about other people's bodies is critical of their own. It doesn't come from nowhere. It can't come from nowhere. It doesn't obsess you to think about other people's flaws and lifestyle. If you're not already holding yourself, whether you think you're succeeding or failure, if it's not like a really big deal to you in your own self. 
Exactly. It's either that or even worse. It's other type of people that are sociopathic and just like to fuck with you. Sure. That is true. <laughs> those people like, exist. Then those ones that are also in that garbage category. So yeah. No. Bye. Um, oh, bye. Okay. Isabel, did I miss anything that you wanted to talk about? Is there anything else that you wanted to like touch on here? Well, I think that's also up to the audience about what is it that people really want to hear more about. But overall, I uh, think that we did great. And I really hope we got a lot of um, love during this talk and uh, better opinion about ourselves and also patience and compassion because none of this is easy. Absolutely. All of this takes time. and fundamentally to be kinder to ourselves. I love that. I know that there was um, something I asked you before (laughs) you, you had mentioned like what you would want people to take away from this episode was that as you've grown in size physically, you've also grown your business and grown in popularity. And so changing in body size is not a death sentence. I think that's so powerful just to remind people like, yes, you have pretty privilege. I mean, you know, there are other elements at play here, but I feel like you've lived this experience that people imagine to be like the end of the world and you're thriving. And that is just so cool. And I hope is really helpful to people who can kind of like look at that and challenge the assumption that it would be a death sentence for them as well. Yes. Yes. It's it's not a death sentence. You can (laughs) thrive no matter how you look like. And also one thing I love about this experience it also made me take my time to also look at bigger bodies and appreciate them more. Mm, yes. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't always see the bigger bodies because they're always overshadowed by the smaller ones and promoted more. But sometimes when I do take a look at it, I'm like, hey, I give these women so much credit yeah. because they look great. Their fashion is top notch. And if they're size 22, great for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it can be dismantled. It can be unpacked and changed. It just takes a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of fear facing, a lot of self-awareness. Like you said, I think that's a huge thing. Learning what makes you um, like yourself. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Okay, Isabel, this was amazing. Tell everybody where they can find you if they want to learn more about you or follow you or whatever. You can find me at Isabel Miller X on Instagram. Same thing for Twitter, Isabel Miller X. And for YouTube, it's just Isabel Miller. And for TikTok, it's it's Isabel Miller. Awesome. Um, and we will include those in the show notes so people can find you. Um, I highly recommend anybody who's listening and curious to learn more, go find Isabel. Uh, I just loved this conversation so much. So thank you for being transparent and sharing your story and being like really, really going to such a thoughtful place with this work. Cause I, I feel like that's not always the case. A lot of people who are just sort of out there, like they don't necessarily think so deeply and get so vulnerable about the actual process and journey. And, and I love when people do that and I love having you on here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything. It was such a pleasure being here. You're welcome. Everybody, you know where to find me, jessineeland.com or at jessineeland on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, pretty much wherever else. And uh, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week. <laughs>